How's it going, everyone? This is Chris Taylor with csjoseph.life, your host for season 33, Cognitive Growth Tracking. In this season, we're going to be taking a look at the 16 types, how to integrate the four sides of the mind, as well as grow the functions uh, in each. We're going to be going over some themes for the four sides, um, what they kind of encompass uh, thematically, and how they all interplay with each other. Some of you re may recognize me from the videos I've been on with Chase, namely the most recent one being how does an, a shadow-focused INTJ develop their subconscious. This is going to be similar along those lines, but a lot more in-depth, um, and it's going to be incorporating all four sides of the mind instead of just one and for all 16 types. Um, the other places you may recognize me from is the Facebook and Discord communities. Some of you may know me as Raka from the Discord communities. Um, and then finally, uh, the articles that I have been on with John Bodine. Um, if you have not read, um, in particular, the articles going over the reflector functions as well as the battlegrounds, I highly recommend you pause the video here. Go check out those articles because they are going to be pretty integral to your understanding of what we are talking about, especially in relation to the superego. Uh, those links will be down in the description below for those following along on YouTube. For those on Spotify, there should be a link uh, somewhere down there for you as well. That all being said, um, let's get right into it um, without wasting too much time here. Now, this is going to be episode one. Now, if you look at the chart I have here, we have the four sides of the mind. It's the same four sides that we are all used to. We have the ego, the subconscious, the shadow, and the superego. Nothing really new there. As well as axis, orbit, and reflection, the three basic concepts we've been discussing on how the four sides of the mind interact with each other. What we haven't really talked about before is the ego, the point of origin. So you have ego, which is the origin, the subconscious, which is axis, the shadow, which is orbit, and the superego, which is reflection. One more thing before we delve too far into this. Um, Chase and I have unfortunately made um, a, bit of, a bit of a let's say, disservice in explaining how the, um, how you transition or the concept of being stuck in a side of the mind. So I do want to take a moment to kind of clarify um, what we mean when we say stuck in a side of the mind. It does not mean that you are exclusively in that side and that is where your, you, your, your mind is resting at. Rather, what it means when you are stuck in a side of the mind, or what we have previously called that, is the idea that when you have one of these other sides more developed than your ego, this is going to be the side that you rely on first in order to solve any kind of problems you may have. Um, that still doesn't mean that you're spending more time in that side than your ego. It just means that is your brain's gut reaction to any problems or challenges 
it may be uh, encountering. However, with the ego, it is still very important to make that your point of origin, that your brain at least tries, that you at least consciously try to use your ego first before you try to jump straight into another side of the mind. Because if your mental point of origin, if you're trying to make that your subconscious or your shadow, this is going to create chaotic transitions, whether that's into that side of the mind itself or back into the ego. Now, with these four sides, they each have kind of a theme in which they are interacting. There's a bigger kind of uh, a wider scope theme, which is that axis, orbit, reflection, and origin. And then there is a smaller scope theme. So for the ego, the theme is alignment. The axis, the theme is exchange. Orbit, the theme is depth. And superego, the theme is revelation. Now, with the ego, the theme is alignment because, again, we are trying to set up a conscious effort and path in order to um, orderly transition between the sides of the mind and integrate them. With the ego, the reason it is alignment is because you need to have that starting point. Each one of these functions within that theme, your hero, parent, child, and inferior, follow this theme in a similar way. Starting off with a hero, we have the theme of discovery. Now, this is kind of twofold. A, the brain uses the hero function to discover. It is a very active function. It's virtually always on, and it is the way that your brain discovers other things. It is because of that heroic energy that the hero function has, because of the way that it is at that apex of the mind, it can be utilized almost indefinitely. Now, this is problematic when it comes to actually developing um, the sides of the mind because you, there tends to be an over-reliance on that function. You need to be able to eventually let that go after you have that starting point. But for those of you that are either subconscious or shadow focused um, and you have more development in those sides of the mind than the ego itself, it's going to be very important to learn about this hero function because you need to discover that apex of your mind. So there is an internal and external component to that, to that discovery. Next up, you have the parent function. And it is the anchor point for the ego. It grounds you in your ego as far as, <clears throat> excuse me, as far as uh, restricting this hero function from going around and basically destroying the city, so to speak. We always you know, make that analogy about how the hero just flies around and causes collateral damage wherever it goes. Much like, you know, heroes in comic books and things like that. This parent function is that responsibility in the ego that reigns in that power of the hero function and gives it a little bit of caution. Next up, we have the child function. This is a function of rest. 
So in the ego, the way that your brain aligns itself with the child function is rest and relaxation, recovery, enjoyment. It's a function that you have fun with. For me as an ENFP, T child really enjoys taking, creating frameworks, tearing apart frameworks, researching ideas and concepts. And that is highly important. At the end of the day, your ego is where you're going to be spending the most of your time in an ideal situation, um, especially in earlier phases of life. Having that point that you can come back to and realign yourself and rest in is incredibly important. It is a source of innocence. It is a function much like the hero that is on almost regularly because it is that origin point of the mind and it is that function that we tend to rest in. And then finally we have the inferior function and the key to alignment with the inferior is vulnerability. This is understanding that you do have those vulnerabilities, understanding what the vulnerabilities are and when you're in your ego and eventually trying to develop your subconscious, getting over those um, insecurities and those vulnerabilities. And that pretty much does it for the ego as far as the point of origin here. Next up, we have the subconscious. This is the concept of axes. This is the hero function linked to the inferior and the parent function linked to the child. Now an axis is all about an exchange, a balance. You lose on this side to gain on this side. Axis and exchange of the subconscious is all about trading in the weakness of the ego, the weakest points of the ego, and making them stronger. It's also about trading pessimism for optimism and vice versa. So, with the inferior function, we, through accepting and overcoming that vulnerability, we lose or we trade, we exchange that insecurity, which causes vulnerability for flexibility, which causes the inferior to have the heroic strength more so than even the hero function because of its journey of overcoming those weaknesses. Next up, we have the child function, which through diligence exchanges its rest for hard work in order to grow and develop. This is how it ends up becoming more responsible. It trades in that rest. It no longer, the child function is no longer just simply resting on its laurels and doing what it does naturally. It puts more effort in, in order, or you put more effort in with it and create diligence. This creates a sense of responsibility. It's what grows your child. Next up, we have the parent function. The parent function exchanges its incessant need to control and to kind of stifle in order to find a more innocent approach to things. And in doing so gains freedom. It's allowed to be optimistic. It's allowed to be a child again. It also is able to do this 
because in this transition, in this exchange into the subconscious, the parent function is no longer having to micromanage the hero function that's already given up its need to be the hero, to be the discoverer, to save the day. So it is allowed to be more innocent, which touches right into the hero function itself, which by giving up its discovery, its need to save the day constantly, to have that heroic power, to embrace its own vulnerabilities. And now that the inferior has overcome its vulnerabilities and is able to step up and take the position of that hero function, the hero can retire, at least temporarily. It can take a break. And in that, the hero finds happiness. There is a long time there where I mistakenly believed that the inferior is where that source of happiness came from when you transitioned into the subconscious. But the inferior isn't actually becoming happy per se. It, it, it's relieved to overcome these vulnerabilities. But the hero function isn't where the happiness comes from, the, or the inferior, excuse me, isn't where the happiness comes from. It's from the hero not needing to save the day constantly. Um, there was a comic book with, uh, with Superman where he basically gave up being Superman. He ended up settling down, starting a family, had a farm, and he was happy. He was actually happy. He, was, he, he hung up his cape, and it's very similar in this way. The hero function, it, it doesn't need to do everything anymore. It can let somebody else take the role. It can hand over the reins to the function that was originally a baby, the inferior, the infant. And that's essentially the way we look at Axis. It's, it's a sense of exchange. It's not a plus or minus. It's a this for that. It's a trade equivalent exchange. <coughs> it's all about taking the weakness and making it strength, taking the strength and finding humility in the weakness that it has. Next up, we have the shadow, which is representative of, representative of cognitive orbit. The theme here is depth. The shadow is the other, is is part of the other half of the mind. It's the lower functions. It's the four functions that we don't have incorporated into our ego. It is the other side of the coin. It's represented here by a Venn diagram because it's a bit of an overlap. Now the shadow adds and subtracts from the ego. In a pessimistic form, it is going to subtract from the ego in an optimistic form it is going to add to the ego. So here we have the nemesis. Nemesis is going to add or subtract perspective. So how does it do this? The hero's flying around the city, it's discovering but the hero still has a very limited range of vision because it is locked into the mentality of having to do it all that actually narrows its ability to discover. 
In an orderly transition, the nemesis is actually adding perspective. And think about it. You have, for me and any hero, you have NI nemesis, right? Those are both two halves of the intuition function as a whole. One is looking at what others desire, and one is looking at its own desires, right? A future point in time for NI, in essence, and everyone else's future points for the extroverted intuition. Having both sides of that coin is adding depth to the intuition function as a whole. The hero has more perspective to see. When it's not treating the nemesis as an enemy, as a villain, it's able to actually incorporate this other perspective. It's more holistic. Next up, we have the critic. The critic is going to add or subtract humility to the parent function. Now, how is it, how is it uh, adding and subtracting humility? This works whether or not you have an extroverted or an introverted critic, and vice versa for the parent function. See, the parent function, as we spoke about before, well, I mean, it kind of has a stick up its ass, right? It's, and it needs to, because it's constantly trying to deal with this irresponsible hero that's causing all the damage and destruction. Um, you know, and not, it, it's collateral. It's not that it's directly damaging, it's just, it's got too much strength to it, right? So that, that anchor point of the parent is necessary. But the parent takes its job a little too seriously, which can be prideful, right? Oh, it, it, nobody else is going to say something to this hero function, I need to. I need to, I need to uh, keep it held down. I need to be that anchor. But that's not always wise, right? That's definitely not humble, right? This critic takes that other half of the coin, that other perspective, and shows the parent that it's not always right, that its way of going about things is not always the effective way of going about it. If this critic is actually listened to, listening, um, and vice versa between the parent and the critic, there's a level of humility there. That sense of responsibility, the parent is able to see that it might be too much at times, or it might not be enough at times, but it's able to compare and contrast. If you have an extroverted critic your, in, in, uh, your introverted parent is feeling so responsible with its own internal perception or judgment that it's shutting out the critic side of things, the extroverted side of things. That's not wise. Sticking your head in the sand is not wise. Saying, oh, I've, I already know what I'm doing. Not wise. And it's not humble. That's arrogant, right? So when the critic actually comes into play here, it lets it, it basically tells the parent, hey, you're you can't handle it all on your own. If you have an extroverted parent, you spend so much time 
either trying to be responsible with your perception of others or what other people are doing or the other, you're not taking time to think things through or, per or perceive internally. You have nothing to compare to and therefore you end up hypocritical. So that depth for the critic is adding humility to the parent. Next up, we have the trickster function. The trickster is looking at adding or subtracting curiosity from the child. We've spoken about it before, but the trickster function is a black hole at the end of the day. It's never enough. TI trickster. A truth or a logical idea is not enough because the concept of framework or how things are framed, the context is always there for TE child. So that TI, while it may be true in a certain situation, may not be perceived as true in another one. It doesn't make TE child right, mind you, but that black hole of the trickster function is adding curiosity to the child. It's adding that, well, what about this? Well, what about that? Well, what about this? Could it work like this? Could it work like that? Now, the trickster, funny enough, <laughs> it is trying to take the role of this parent function and that's where we're getting into the cognitive battlegrounds. But it's trying to take the role of that parent function. And while it's acting like it knows things, it's creating situations where this child is put in situations where the child is wrong or incorrect or what have you. And through that, the child goes back, okay, well, I need to reassess. I need to learn more. In an unhealthy transition, in a chaotic transition, this trickster is ignored. The child rests on its laurels. The child becomes that know-it-all. And we all know kids that end up as those know-it-alls because they're trying to be responsible with an idea or maybe even a function that they're not quite ready to actually be responsible with. Maybe they lack the experience. Right? It's the same way with the trickster. When we try to know with the trickster, for example, and this is especially true with TI trickster, the child ends up resting on its laurels and that curiosity dies out. You can't fill a cup that's already full. So the trickster will add or subtract curiosity from the child. And then finally, we have the demon function. The demon function is interesting in that it will always add. But there's a bit of nuance here. So the trickster is always adding adversity. It's always adding adversity. The difference is whether or not the inferior can handle that adversity. See, the key with that is it's not on the actual function 
the demon function. The onus is on whether or not the inferior is going to ignore or is going to accept the adversity that the demon function is adding to the inferior. And in this, this is one way that the demon function is trying to subvert the hero function, the hero function's hold on the mind. Because the demon is adding adversity to the inferior and constantly, the inferior being the weak point of the hero function, that is basically Lex Luthor constantly holding kryptonite to Superman. So with this, it's about, it goes back to the onus of the ego in this case to handle that adversity. Your demon function is always going to try to overtake the ego. It needs to. This inspires growth in the brain, right? If we take away all the characterizations for a moment, these functions can be looked at as simply pathways in the brain. The brain is always going to want the path of least resistance in order to develop um, and grow and become better. And because it's wanting the path of least resistance, there's going to be times where the pathway to the repressed demon function, repressed because it is mirrored to the hero, and this is where understanding how the reflection functions work is, comes into play, but because the demon is trying to overtake that hero function, because the brain wants access to this function that's being repressed by the reflecting function, it's going to create situations where you're not properly able to get the feedback or information from that mirror, from that demon function, which is linked in orbit to the inferior which is a source of insecurity and use function-wise. Your brain has stable access to that function, but second-guesses itself because of its relationship on an axis with the hero. So through that, your brain is always going to put you into situations. These may be four sides. It's one brain, eight functions. Your brain just wants to be able to utilize all these functions. In trying to utilize that reflected function, you're going to create situations that hit your own inferior function and take away your ego bias with the function your brain does best with. So the mind is always trying to get back into balance because that balance allows for a flexibility across the entire brain that allows it, it's looking for to be whole and to be in balance with itself. And finally, to be able to alternate between the reflected functions in order to handle any situation that is thrown at it. So we, we like to characterize it a lot. Oh, this is a, a demonic function. It's it's only characterized that way because the function itself is a repressed function. When our brain goes to use it, it's going to be chaotic, likely until the end stages, end phase of your life, when you're actually able to utilize that function. You're able to let go of your insecurities. You're able to listen to the other halves of your functions 
and you're able to let go of your bias for these functions in the ego. And then you're able to get to reflection. The theme for reflection is revelation. What this superego side is doing via reflection is revealing the issues with your ego biases. The demon is revealing the arrogance, the hubris that your hero function has. We did talk a little bit about the parents' arrogance, but they're a bit different. They're similar in the sense that being egotistical here and sticking with your own biases for your ego functions is arrogant. The demon function is revealing the arrogance of the hero. Next up is the trickster. The trickster is revealing the complacency of the parent function. It's kind of funny because the parent function is the last function to really develop, to come online in the ego, which is complacent in and of itself. But the thing is, when we talk about the battlegrounds and these um, reflector functions, your trickster is an optimistic function that is trying to fill the same role as your parent. Now, keep in mind, pessimistic functions are reactionary. They tend to come online as needed. They take a lot more energy to use. There are less developed pathways and they have a heavier negativity bias to them. People don't really like dealing with negativity bias all the time. Plain and simple. Why would you, why would most people from a nature standpoint want to focus on the negative? It complicates life. And in the short run, it's easier and perceivingly better to focus on optimism and just being happy. But it's a lie that we're telling ourselves that happiness is short lived. Arrogance, right? The only choice here really is to grow. So that trickster, when you have a optimistic function filling the same role as a pessimistic one, it's going to be easier for the optimistic function to fill that slot. Through orbit, the, the tr we have in order, the hero develops, comes online first, and through orbit, the nemesis comes online. Next to develop is the child function. So your optimistic functions are the first ones to come into play. And through orbit, the trickster comes into play. So what ends up happening is the nemesis takes the role of the inferior and the trickster takes the role of the parent. Then as we develop through age, through life, the inferior function comes online when we start becoming insecure with a function, we have social faux pas, right? Because 
When you're only working off your hero, nemesis, child, and trickster, the scope of functions you're realistically utilizing, right, is very limited. So the amount of situations you are equipped to deal with is going to be smaller. And because of that, we end up having social faux pas as kids. And this ends up developing insecurity. And this could be insecurity developed through, you know, friend groups. It could be from your parents um, projecting onto you. It could be from any number of factors in life. But at the end of the day, what it really comes down to is you are ill-equipped for a situation that happened. And this caused consequence. And suddenly these optimistic functions aren't enough. It's not enough to just be a happy kid anymore. Now you have worries and insecurities. Now, and to characterize it again, the hero thinking that the nemesis was covering its weakness, the hero's lost faith in the nemesis. So now it stops listening to the nemesis. And the inferior, well, the hero is obviously afraid of that. So this is where the difference comes in between worry and insecurity with the hero and the nemesis function, or with the inferior and the nemesis function, excuse me. The, the hero is worried that the nemesis is unable to do its job. And so you, you second guess your use of that function because at the end of the day, it's what ended up creating the insecurity in the first place. I guess I have to do everything myself, says the hero. And then, then you have the inferior is that source of insecurity that was created. This is the kryptonite to the hero function. They're linked together as well. So the hero is digging in even deeper to its own bias in itself to not have to worry about that inferior function. If I'm strong enough that I don't need to use it, then I'll be just fine. I'll just keep going with my hero function. For any hero, it's literally, I'll figure out all the possibilities that could possibly happen. I'll figure out what everybody wants so that I am never put into a situation that'll make me uncomfortable. And then I don't have to worry about what I want and getting into an, a bad situation that again, getting into a bad situation, the inferior. So it digs even deeper into itself. Sometimes in life, as we develop, we, some people just cannot get back to that ego though, right? This is where you end up with the suburb of the shadow focus. People that feel like they're stuck in that side of the mind when in reality, they're keeping themselves in a situation that's not hospitable to who they naturally are. So please, if you're in a situation where you can't be in your ego, 
you can't be relaxed with who you are. And that includes your vulnerabilities and being okay with those vulnerabilities. You need to change your situation. And I don't care if that means cutting out family or friends. Because at the end of the day, if they care, if, if you care about them and they care about you, right? But they're put, it's just, there's maybe an incompatibility there. And they're putting you into a situation that's not allowing you to be you. That's not good for you. And if they truly care about you, they wouldn't want that anyway. Most people just aren't aware enough of how these cognitive functions work. They don't understand type. And so we go around stepping on each other's toes, projecting on each other constantly. We can't change everyone else. But we can understand ourselves enough to set ourselves up into a situation that works better for us. Because at the end of the day, for those of you that are worried about cutting out family members and friends, the people that care about you want you to be able to be happy. If they truly do care about you, you need, you need to take the responsibility to put yourself into that situation. That huge rant aside to <laughs> pull us back in from the any hero tangent. Um, the critic, the, the trickster is revealing complacency in that parent function. Because at the end of the day, if the parent function was there from the get-go, you probably wouldn't have ended up in the situation to begin with that would have caused you to need, that would have caused the insecurity. And the trickster continually with its misunderstanding internally of the function, with the static, I, I'll say, the static noise um, that overpowers the trickster function because of how low it is in the function stack. Because of that, it's going to continue to create situations that are bad for the child function. It's going to create, continue to create situations that make your vulnerabilities more of an insecurity. The, the trickster is essentially the Trojan horse that the demon function has into the ego side of the mind. Again, when we talked about shadow, it adds curiosity. Never forget the importance of that trickster function, but also understand that that trickster function is a function you're not ready to actually be responsible with yet. Leave it as a curiosity. When you understand what your trickster function is and how it applies, you still want to listen to what it has to say, but verify everything that it has to say. This is the function that, that should be causing you to ask questions and breathe that thirst of curiosity into your mind. It is not to run rampant as the parent. It is to inspire and question so that you can grow.
but when your parent is allowing the trickster to take its role, your parent is being complacent. That's the revelation. Next up, we have the critic function. The critic function reveals the ignorance of the child function. And it doesn't do so directly. Rather, your critic function isn't thinking of your child function as ignorant. It's more that your critic function is ignorant itself. It's high enough into the function stack that you're utilizing it. And every time your critic is being a hypocrite and running its mouth, that child function, that reflection is walking the same path. It's that kid trying to be like the grumpy old man. It's, it's kind of interesting. There's, there's, um, there's a phenomenon in our media where you have these kind of, um, I don't know what to call them. They're not anti-heroes, but you have characters like Tyler Durden, right? Or these really, the, these really, really troubled uh, guys or girls, what have you. And you have children admiring the cynicism inherent in those characters. And so the child starts to try to emulate. It tries to take that role. Kid wants to be just like that crotchety old man that seems like a badass, but is really kind of fucked up because he's a hypocrite and he hasn't spent his life developing and learning and listening, whether that's an introverted or extroverted function. And so the child function, a function that should be innocent and learning and curious is now taking on aspects of cynicism and it comes across very ignorant ignorant well if that old man seems to have it all figured out i can just emulate him and i'll have it all figured out and guess what your trickster gets shut out your child is now resting on its laurels and it's being ignorant and then finally we have the nemesis function the nemesis function reveals the fear in our inferior function. With this nemesis function, it is, again, mirrored to the inferior. And it goes back to kind of that whole origin point I was talking about with the development of the inferior. Because for me, an SI inferior, if I'm scared of my vulnerabilities, afraid of new experiences, afraid of having a bad experience, how can I possibly trust my decisions for my future with my NI? How could I possibly select a valid point in time in the future if I am afraid of what's going to happen, the experience I'm going to have. And that hesitation in the use of the nemesis 
shows how scared you are in your inferior, how afraid you are. This is where this vulnerability becomes a fear. These are the overall concepts, the themes that the four sides of the mind work with. It is not by no means everything. And there's still so much more nuance to how these engage, but it is the gist. It is going to be how we approach looking at going through development for each of the 16 types, which will reveal <coughs> how to essentially look and track our growth path to cognitive development. If you found this use, this lecture useful, if you found it helpful, please let us know in the comments if you have questions, concerns, if you disagree, same thing. Let us know down below. Thank you guys so much for having me for season 33. Thank you very much, Chase, for giving me the opportunity to take on this season. If you guys need to reach me, you can reach me on Discord, you can reach me via YouTube comments here, or you can reach me um, on Facebook. I will be trying to take a look at uh, as many of the comments as possible and we'll, we'll take a look at uh, addressing any questions. But for now, I'm gonna go. Have a good night guys, we'll see you on the next episode. You stole